there is no inclusion without accessibility. So that's why I really focus on accessibility and understanding what that concept is, because that will lead to inclusion if you can create content or if you can make your business or your processes or your systems accessible and giving individual options to obtain the information. For me, communication is so fundamental and accessibility to information is communication. Welcome to the Innovation and in Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode, and I'm thrilled today to have with me DJ Durante. I met DJ at a conference that we both participated in called Podcasting for Business. She is incredibly passionate about podcasting, but it turns out she has a great story, a great line of work, a great mission. And so I asked her if she'd take some time to visit with me, and she graciously said yes. And of course, anyone named the Silver Fox, well, that's the woman for me for a podcast. So DJ, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me this morning. Thank you so much, Tom. I'm super excited to be here with you and have this opportunity. Could you tell us about your academic background? Absolutely. So my academics started back in high school, actually. I loved psychology, and that's where I found my calling, as I would call it. I knew that I loved individuals and people and the mind and emotions. So I studied psychology. With that being said, I didn't have any money for college, so I joined the Air Force to help pay for school. So I went able to go to get my bachelor's, move on to get my bachelor's in psychology, and then move on to graduate school and work on mental health counseling. I didn't finish. I got to the end. But then I realized that I didn't really want to be a therapist per se. But I was very happy to just be able to have all the knowledge and the academic studies and being able to go to school and follow something that I just always was really important to me. So did you go to undergrad on the GI Bill? I did. Yes, actually, I did use it. I was active duty while I was started my bachelor's degree. And then I was able to finish once I got out. I did four years in the service. But I went ahead and that's when I pursued grad school and I started my social service career, really working with individuals with disabilities from then on. Well, my father went to college on the GI Bill. So there you go. One of the landmark great pieces of American legislation. Could you tell us a little bit about your work in the Air Force? Sure. I had the opportunity to work on C-130s. I was a crew chief on those airbirds and I just loved them. They were just the cargoes. I had a lot of fun. I was very lucky that I didn't have to go off to war, but, you know, I did have a lot of fellow friends that had to go, but I wasn't, I stayed stateside and I had fun working on those C-130s and just, I feel like such a connection to the military. It was really a fundamental part of my personal development. It was something that gave me a lot of structure and it gave me a lot of values that I was looking for at that time in my life when I was younger. And it really kind of set the tone for the rest of my life, which is something that I still use, those values from the Air Force. I feel so connected to them. And that's why it's part of Toastmasters. I found with Toastmasters, I find very similar in those values of service and excellence it's just been a blessing, again, just be able to use that background with school and my direction of being in the Air Force and just using that as a catalyst for my career. <laughs> I interviewed a guy here in my local hometown who is a Marine Corps vet, and I asked him 
what was the top thing you learned in the Marine Corps? And his answer, I could not have asked for a better one. And he said, without hesitation, be on time. And go. he's taken that with him till this day. Would it be fair to say the C-130s are the workhorse of the Air Force? And because they're the workhorse of the, if they're the workhorse of the Air Force, that mm-hmm. they're the workhorse of the American military for plane transport? Oh, I would say so. Those birds can do anything. They can maneuver. They've been around for a long, long time. They're not the biggest, but they definitely do a lot of work. And I was pretty lucky. I was on an SOS squadron, so special operations. So I got a few little extras in there working on on the ones, on the models I got to work on. So it sounds like it was a really positive experience for you, both professionally, academically, and for your own personal career development. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The military, I have to just say that that's been, again, one of those core fundamental fixtures in my life that have really provided me a foundation for my growth and development. Could we turn now to your work now? Because this is what I found so intriguing and in many different ways. Could I start off by asking you, what is your mission? Yes. So my mission can be difficult to understand, but maybe not. When I was young, my father was in an accident in a car accident, and he was a traumatic brain injury. He had to learn all kinds of things. And this started because of his disability. So I didn't really realize that my passion for psychology and behavior and mental health and all all of that came from my dad when he was in that car accident. So to make the long story short, that has led me to be an advocate now for people with disabilities, wanting people, businesses, to understand the importance of inclusion, of understanding diversity, options for people with disabilities, and understanding that fundamental law that gives us that platform to say, we have to be open and we need to be considerate of everyone, all different types of people. So with that is kind of just set sail (laughs) that ship for my passion for advocacy, just watching my dad go through so many medical appointments and just struggling to get back to who he thought he could be, even though with a traumatic brain injury, you never really are the same person. So it was a lot of that psychological trying to, for me to dig for information and understand that, again, put it all together for me to be that advocate, to understand disability and be that voice for other people. So when many people think of diversity, they may think of race, gender, religion. They don't often think of the disabled. My mother taught special education for 30 years. So I'm pretty aware of that part of disability, but you advocate for diversity, accessibility, and I thought the key word was inclusion. So I was wondering how you have gone about that. I know you've helped individuals and you've helped maybe not work with corporations, but council companies on these Mm -hmm. topics. Could you give us a little bit of that experience from your perspective? Sure. So my career has been really working with the individual with disabilities in different types of scenarios and in different types of perspectives or viewpoints. So I've worked with the state on various accounts in different ways, whether it was children that had abuse and neglect, and they have those kinds of psychological or emotional issues. I've worked with adults in group homes that may have cognitive or intellectual disabilities. My most recent job was working contracted through the state, working as a liaison, a disability navigator for individuals, job seekers with disabilities, people that receive social security benefits, and them trying to obtain employment as well to 
have more income. So I've spent a lot of time working with individuals looking for jobs, trying to access opportunities, trying to navigate through websites, navigate through information and find documents, whether they were visually impaired, whether they had hearing impairments, hearing loss, cognitive disorders, emotional or behavioral disorders, just different things like that, that they're on disability. And so I would have to be that liaison and talk to businesses in the local community, have them understand different types of accessibility and how to create systems and accommodate for those individuals and just really understand the true meaning of inclusion. There is no inclusion without accessibility. So that's why I really focus on accessibility and understanding what that concept is, because that will lead to inclusion if you can create content or if you can make your business or your processes or your systems accessible and giving individual options to obtain the information. For me, communication is so fundamental and accessibility to information is communication. We work in the communication business. So for me, that's why it's always been so passionate for people that feel left out and they're not included and they can't access the information, the resources when they're expected to. And then there's so many barriers in between. You really, in your session at the podcast conference, crystallize something for me that I've thought about for a long time. So let me see if I can articulate it and see if you would agree, disagree, or if it's a fair assessment. What I saw when my mother was a school teacher was, and they had a work hiring program at my local town where they would help put kids who'd gone through special ed into jobs that they were suited for. Mm -hmm. And that as employees, they typically became the most loyal employees, particularly if the company really worked around to make their handicaps, make them accessible for the jobs they were doing. And they would try to find jobs that played to their skill set. What I heard you talk about in the podcast, you were largely talking about making podcasts more accessible to the hearing impaired. But what struck me, DJ, was that what you talked about was transcripts or other visual information. In the podcast world, it's now a best practice to have a transcript. And so when you said that, it it really crystallized for me thinking that by having a policy of accessibility and inclusion for disabled employees, you not only create a very loyal workforce, but you can actually make your business better. And the example I would point to is what you talked about in terms of transcripts for those who might be hearing disabled yet want to experience a podcast, and that would be allowing them to read the transcript. So I wondered if, one, if you think that's a fair assessment, and two, does that message really resonate when you go out and advocate that it's not simply, this is not about doing good or just about doing good. This is making actually your business better. This is making your employees more loyal, and it may even make your customers more loyal. So I wondered kind of if we could talk about that. Absolutely. No, I absolutely wholeheartedly believe that. Again, we think of this as communication. Podcasting is a communication. Our business, our exchanges, that's communication. So you have to think many people are being left out if it's just auditory only, an auditory medium. We all consume information in different ways and in different situations and in different circumstances. So it really is important For us, even as a person, when we can't access something, that frustration that builds, 
if we're busy, we're doing something, but we need it in a different format because it's just going to be quicker and more accessible to us in that moment. We have the ability to change between and find solutions to get to the information that we need. And I found that that was such a difficulty. So it goes back to podcasting. So many people miss out on all the amazing, wonderful information that's contained in podcasts because there's no transcripts. And part of it, right, goes with the SEO and the metadata that you can't really find it. Crawlers and spiders can't really find it in an audio format. So it enhances so much more of your business. I appreciate that you found that very powerful and that you really touched you because it really should. I think that that's one of the major is understanding that the options is what gives the business, the corporation power. It's making it more accessible. You're allowing more people to engage and interact with what you're putting out. Socially, I think I talked about that in the presentation about how it really brings up your social worth and your employees. I mean, we think of one in four statistically have a disability. So your workforce in itself has individuals with disabilities. So you really are putting an example out there that you practice what you preach, right? Another part was it can be overwhelming and it can be a little scary, but it's just making the initiative to start, taking the initiative to start being observant about your processes in your business if you're offering those opportunities to everyone. And if you really are understanding that different ways, looking at it from the lens or the perspective of can someone obtain this information in a different format if they need it? That would be the easiest way because it does enhance your business. It does provide a list, a slew of things, of benefits that I mentioned, right, where you do get more leads or more clients or more opportunity to connect more of the public. Those are individuals that for so long have been left out, that for so long have not been able to obtain and access specific or certain types of information or mediums in this case, being podcasting, if they were hearing impaired or had low hearing. So now to really expand it and even to go a little deeper with even cognitive or intellectual disabilities, someone like me that has ADHD, I like to read something while I'm listening to something. It helps my brain. So I do enjoy transcripts. I'm not hearing impaired in the sense, but I do appreciate transcripts or something that I can see and follow along. And I think that that was part of that idea and that presentation is that how powerful accessibility is, not only because it's the law and we can, shouldn't discriminate, but, and aside from being the right thing to do, but really is, there is no further option anymore. It's something that we really need to implement into our businesses and our processes as soon as possible. And the sooner that we do that, the better off we're going to be and the more beneficial it'll be to our business in so many ways. I have to say, I never thought this podcast would bring up business processes and engagement. That's the holy grail of a marketer, of a communicator, of anyone trying to get a message out is to get engagement. And what you've just told us is, Tom, there are various ways to have engagement and that someone who is may not be hearing impaired, they still may prefer and actually engage with you more because you made the communications and information more accessible to them in the visual format of a transcript. Yeah, and they'll be back for more, right? They'll be more likely to follow you, to buy from you, to seek out what you offer, to listen to you, to share 
you and your brand, your business, whatever it is, your podcast. That is such a powerful message. Wow. Let me turn to your own business and ask sure. you a little bit about your own business in the podcasting world. Absolutely. A little bit about my business. I started as a live streamer, just going live, turn the camera on, no fear. Let's go for it. Now, we have already discussed a little bit about my background, social services, being an advocate. So essentially, that's what I was going to talk about. I knew that that was just my jam. That's what this show would be about. So I started my show live streaming about mental health, disability, and trauma. And I knew that for me, that was a way to release that information to also empower others. And as I started learning more about it, I love the tech stuff, the microphones and all that fun stuff, the sound, the audio, really working on presentation, working on interview skills, all that stuff that kind of comes up when we do a podcast, when we do these types of work. And so far, I've loved it. And then I realized the power that it brought to other individuals. So then I started to focus more on authors, coaches that have a message of disability, have a message of they want to heal, right? Healing energy, people that want to make a change better for others and really continue to advance their message because they may have written a book on cancer or they may have written a book on traumatic brain injuries or maybe they're coaching individuals, entrepreneurs, you know, helping businesses or corporations. But they should also understand that podcasting and live streaming offers them the opportunity to get their message out and get their business out. So that's essentially how my business started. That's what I do. I help other individuals, entrepreneurs get their message out. If they're an author, if they're a coach, if they work are medical, I've worked with doctors that want to get a live stream, a podcast out. They're in that type of industry, right? Social service, medical. So I found myself like in a really good place being able to work between those individuals that have that empathetic, compassionate desire in their business, as well as helping them use this marketing, podcasting and live streaming as a marketing tool for their business and to be more inclusive, to be more accessible. So that's how it started. That's what it is. That's what I do in a really long-winded answer. Could you just give us an example of some of the clients you've worked with? Sure. I've had some individuals. I've had a wonderful doctor helping her get her brand out there and really go into more of a natural holistic healing. That's been really exciting. I did work with one individual that wanted to do a live stream. Now his was more real estate, but we were really trying to work on more of the accessibility portion and having them understand diversity. So it's just been very interesting and really fun to just have these different kinds of individuals and then help them. I've also worked with a website designer and helping her understand accessibility and website design in her business as well. And just kind of use the WACOG that we talked about in the presentation on how that applies to her in her. So just kind of helping people through accessibility, helping people understand what they can do and strategies and what they can implement into their process to just be a little bit more accessible and understand and not feel so overwhelmed by it. DJ, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode. Yeah. But before we leave, I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself, on any of the topics we've touched on, or perhaps to connect with you on LinkedIn, what would be the best way for them to do so? You can reach out to me. I am on LinkedIn. My moniker that I go by is Silver Fox Talks, just the way it sounds. You can find me. 
on social media and my website, silverfoxtalks.com. And I would love to have anybody reach out if they're looking for more information on how to be more accessible and incorporate accessibility strategies into their business or podcast or their live stream. And we didn't get into it, but she is a wealth of knowledge on laws and regulations. If you have to deal with any of those, she can cite them chapter and verse, but actually, more importantly, help you as a business navigate those as well. So DJ, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me, and I hope we can continue this conversation. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review.